Fucking watch me. Packing bowls and freeing souls from America's heartland. You're listening to Bowl After Bowl with Lorian and Spencer. That was the last copy I slapped. That sounds really good. You're manifesting the chill. Oh shit, yes. Oh shit, yes. I'm a supporter of human beings! What? It's true, don't let them tell you otherwise. Fully support human beings. And we are hanging out on a Friday night. It is October 14th, 2022. And uh, as a special edition of Bowl After Bowl, we like to call them Bowls with Buds. This will be episode 197. I am Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean. And joining us again, it is the one and only Farmer Todd. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? Welcome back, man. Good. Is it Friday already? Holy shit. It's hard to believe, man. Yeah. It's hard to believe. You've been running ragged, I I understand, out there. Yeah, it's it's been a... This time of year, it's always a whirlwind. Right. (laughs) Trying to get crops off, dodge rainstorms, and... You know, we're running the store full time now, so nice harvest time, harvest time. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming back on, sitting down to talk with us again. Um, For those new to the the format, uh, bowls with buds, we kind of just do whenever we can schedule them. When we can get a guest, when we can get a bud in the bowl, we sit down and kind of just talk over things. And uh, Farmer Todd last joined us on episode 144 for a bulls with buds that was his first time around and uh you are sounded so much crispier this time i must say yeah it's 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 good it's like you're right in the room with us yeah i was a little uh i was a little perturbed about the audio on my end last time oh man these things happen and i think we it's funny because it was just serendipity it wasn't my like choosing or anything but our old show, our last show that you did, played on our stream, like, right before this. <laughs> like, it just got done at, like, I don't know, 8.30 or something. Yeah, actually, I was I was clicking through stuff and saw that. Yeah, it was like... Um, Remind what? me of things not to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was taking notes. I was like, oh, check in on these things. Yep. <laughs> I was, like, trying to figure out what we had done between now and then. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. So it's clear back um, in what, like February or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But uh, one thing that has changed between now and then, aside from the sound, which, by the way, you, I think, handled like a total champ. And uh, yeah. It was like super fine. Like listening back to it, there's like the one part where Lorian breaks in and explains like what went down, but. Right. Seamless. Yeah, it was. Seamless it, transition. It was easy to listen to. So. Uh, I had not like gone back and listened to it in full, so it was just like I said, it was just magic that it happened to be playing right before the show started. Um, <laughs> the stream is spooky like that. The sometimes. stream has been sure. on point lately, and we just set it up to, uh, for the most part, shuffle old bulls with buds. Like I got a playlist of all of them, and um, so it shuffles that, but it also breaks into other like regular occurring live shows uh, once they go live. Right. So, yeah, just uh, happened to line up that way. It's like I did a uh, episode with uh, 
the Casey Bitcoiners, uh, Orange Pill Addicts podcast. And then when I turned the stream off, it immediately started playing our, the episode we did with Mitch from Casey Bitcoiners. So it's just been oh, spooky nice. lately. Absolutely spooky. Um, but I wanted to talk since last time about another thing that has happened, which is you got a split going, a value split. Yeah. Nice. And so, it's working. Yeah, we did some testing and uh it uh worked out. Now Lorian is really good at um reminding me of this stuff, but we gotta make sure that you know, no gas comes through now without a split. And with Albie, it's like, we can actually do that. We can just be like, here's a link. Once you sign up, go to this link and tell me what the number is. And like, those are the only two instructions, really, that I have to send people. Yeah, and it was super easy. You sent me the link and, like, said, oh, 15 minutes. It'll, it, it was, like, five minutes. Tight. And it, nice. and it was up and going. So, yeah, and I was like, oh, how's this going to work? And then before the show here, you, you were testing, and I was like, holy shit, I got sats, man. Yeah, and I wanted to say thank you, by the way, to Abel Kirby, who pre-boosted us today. Yeah, thanks, um, Abel. Yeah, thanks, Abel Kirby. Oh, and I uh, had the bowl, uh, I had the bowler noise down. Sorry about that. I had the boost noise down because it also was in Lorian's channel. Yes, he sent 8888 sats from CurioCaster with the pre-boost, which, as far as I know, CurioCaster is the only one you can pre-boost a live item in. So if you have a live item and it says pending on that tag, because you have an upcoming show and you have it all scheduled out, in CurioCaster you can click the Scheduled Programs button and you can see all of those. Um, you can send a pre-boost like Abel Kirby did, send a note. And what we do for guests now, because I know that I'm about to onboard them, I have like a placeholder Albi wallet of my own that I just let stuff sit in while I'm uh, getting people to like sign up for an account or something. So right when I made the tag, I had that placeholder wallet in and that's where Abel Kirby split went. But the cool thing about this Albi shit is you get a lightning address too. So you sent me your lightning address, which um, by the way is Hillsborough farms. Hillstone. Or excuse me, Hillstone. Dang it. I scrolled back. Hillstone farms at get which is how I sent it. Uh, I sent your split. Okay. The first one. And then I updated in the feed. Uh, so now I don't have to do anything extra. You should be getting uh, everything from here on out. Darth cool. Testicle was helping us test things. Thank you, Darth, uh, for the test testes boost for 333. And then uh, 101.01 sats from Harvat out of Boost CLI. Fantastic. Woo-hoo. Thanks, Harvat. Appreciate you, Harvat. He's always uh, catching our live uh, pod ping that we send out. And we can no longer sneak a, a show by him. He just gets a notification, I think, that it's on, and he's like, oh, yeah, boost CLI, bang. Well, I can't wait to do my own boost. I'll have to... Uh, Hell yeah. There won't be any more Farmer Todd PayPal's coming through, hopefully in the future. Yeah, just uh, transition away. Right. From the old and into the new. Hey, man. I'm, I'm the I, dinosaur uh, that's still sending the PayPal. <laughs> you know, I talked about this last time, and uh, I I don't see, like... I don't know. Like I get don't don't get me wrong, I get the irritation of the whole PayPal nonsense, but like Yeah. Um, I think you said it well when you were talking about it uh, a couple episodes ago. I I think you hit the nail on the head. I appreciate it. And I think yeah. uh it seemed like John at least at first kind of felt the same way, only like stronger and a little more you know. For me, like I can see both sides, but I'm just not like you know, like I understand the purity test thing is just never going to pass, you know? And, right, right. And uh, Yeah, but hey, you know, um, 
I've shipped stuff to friends too, and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to PayPal you the money," and you know, I'm not going to say no. Right? Exactly. You can't yeah. PayPal me money. Yeah, you can send me money in yeah. many forms, <laughs> however you want. And to then do it. I'll I'll make it to where it needs to be on my end. You know, it's like if you right. just send it over here. I don't want to make it harder for people to send anything. Right, like, exactly. I just don't. I don't think that's a productive use of like my time or anyone else's time, which I think is what Dvorak was trying to get at, but he yeah. didn't see like another side. Of, I guess people were like thinking that PayPal would find them, you know, like their individual oh, PayPal right. accounts for just giving, which is like I get it with like the Canadian trucker thing rolling through, and then like I don't know, everything just seems like fire alarm ten when it comes through, you know, yeah. like every yeah, little lip on the radar is like the end of the world apocalypse right. you know trigger I'm triggered trigger i'm totally triggered man which is what we talked about a lot last time actually the apocalypse and uh yeah uh how to survive it or how to prepare for it and uh is it like slowly rolling out i was kind of chuckling because uh you were saying uh and your reason for coming on in the first place originally was like as a food producer i'm pretty alarmed at the f- like what the future is going to bring and you said like prices are going crazy right now and the prices we were talking about back then are actually kind of tame compared to like what it's become now it's like even worse yeah it's i was checking stuff today on like the chicago border trade which i i think goes by cme now or whatever and um corn seven dollars a bushel wheat near nine soybeans uh 13.85 live cattle 150 Gas, uh, natural gas, six seventy-five, and oil, eight, 85.55, which isn't terrible, but yeah, the, all those prices—they all affect our food. Whether you know whether you're feeding corn or, or whatever, it's those things are going to be built right in. Those are just you know those are your overheads. Definitely. So, what is taking up all your time right now? Is it pulling corn in? Yeah, we've been harvesting corn, so we like we fill a twenty by. 80 silo with uh corn silage so like the whole plant you chop it all up it goes in the big silo and and ferments in there and that's our feed for a year and we do some grain we sell some grain some soybeans and stuff that just to use you know cat to a cash crop it was super dry here this year so we made like one cutting of hay which is a little bit alarming i was pretty nervous Damn. um like late july the pastures were just dried right up. So we were grazing 100 cows with calves all the time. Oh, yeah. And we're we're moving cows almost every day in, in the pastures. I was, like, looking ahead because I can see how much forage I have in front of me as the cows are moving along, and nothing behind them was growing, you know. And, and you know, we anticipate that we're going to be back to those pastures, like when they leave a pasture, say, for instance, today, um, like in the middle of July, we hope to be back there within 30 to 45 days. And that was just not going to happen. Dang. I was r- super, super afraid we're going to have to like dip into our uh, feed for the winter, you know. So mm-hmm. we make hay in order to, to feed cows through the winter, just, just dry cows. And yeah, it was, you know, this is one of those unknowns. And man, <laughs> I was super nervous. We got some rain finally and things greened up and I never had to feed any hay, but um as far as what we've got on hand it's we're kind of at the limit yeah <laughs> damn so uh i 
curious like how your setup is like what how big is it and then is as far as like moving pasture to pasture are they all just like sectioned off in different pastures or do you do like the move the fence type situation yeah so we have um on our grazing acres uh just a lot of like basic you know hard perimeter fence around the outside of everything uh we have some splits through the middle depending on where water is and stuff and then off of where those water sources are then i use like a a poly fence which is uh it's basically like a woven looks like a piece of yarn but it's uh it's got some stainless uh fibers run through it and it rolls up just like just like a piece of yarn and and we can hook that up take it down move it in a couple minutes so we're trying to give cows like one or two days three days at the most and then we're moving them to a new spot and that's good for, you know, just they're always they always have fresh forage. It's good for cow health too. You don't have to worry about parasites as much, and uh, just as far as using all the forage efficiently, that's that's kind of how we do it. Gotcha. So, so yeah, I try to plan, and it's hard to explain, but after you do it so many years, like you can kind of guess, you can have a good guesstimate of how much forage is available. Sure. You know, a mature cow eats uh, about. Three percent of their body weight a day, so you got to kind of guesstimate. You know, a thousand pound cows eating thirty pounds of forage, so that's how we how we work it. Um, yeah, so we're we're doing good right now. We have grass for probably another three or four weeks, and I'm I'm sure it's going to start snowing. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting to that point. Getting later. Yeah, yeah. you. I think a little further north than where I am, but not by much. You're probably like yeah, what, we zone are five or. Yeah, yeah. We're in like I'm right, six. I'm, I'm on the north. Yeah, I'm I'm on the northern border of Pennsylvania. Gotcha. So we're only like twenty miles from New York State. It's weird. Like the zone five six border is like north of the city, kind of. So yeah. it's like not far, not much further north of us. But right. I don't know. Yeah, we have we have some pretty good hills here too, and and so it's kind of like a little microclimate. It, it's weird. You can go. You can even go 50 miles north of here, and it's it's actually more temperate than it is here. Hmm. So just the way the hills are. Interesting. Well, and you get closer to the to the Great Lakes too, so that has a little bit of a buffer effect. So are y'all uh, running any other animals aside from cows? Yeah. On the farm, so I'm doing. I'm doing. Uh, we do like 500 meat chickens a year. Gotcha. At the moment, that's something that we want to scale up in the near future because. It's, it sells really well. Nice. It's, it's an easy thing to do. And that's just seasonal. So I start like in, uh, we'll get our chicks like in May. Sure. Like we're done now just because the weather's changing. They don't handle the. Right. They're all outside. So we're, they're pastured poultry. I, th- I think we talked about you were at Salatin's place. And that's sort of where I, yep. that's where I got the idea of, of how to do that. It doesn't totally mimic it 100%, but. It's it's the premise, you know. Gotcha. So that permaculture, like chicken tractor, moving them a bit every day. Yep, yep. They just get a new footprint every day, and you just put them in the uh, fields when the cows leave. Then you do that same sort of strategy. Well, I just have a couple, uh, just a couple, not pastures, but fields that are real close to my parents' house. My biggest problem is predators. Oh, sure. So it's it's really hard to keep them too far away from, too far away from like anybody's house or anything like that. Right. Just because we get, 
Actually, when I was on my way here, there was a skunk running down the road, and I was like, son of a bitch. Uh Uh-oh. I know it's like everything eats chickens. It doesn't look bad. Everything loves chickens. I'm like on the gas trying to hit it, and I was like, maybe I don't want to hit the skunk right now. Right. uh, it It was like... On the road, right next to the pasture that has the chickens in it, and I was I was going for it. <laughs> nice. Well, you took uh, your first step since we last talked with the the node getting up and the, uh, the Albi node, and we took our first step in getting chickens. We we yeah. got the chickens up and running since we last talked. So. Yeah, nice. It's been, How's that going? Uh, you were right, man. It's it's easy. Yeah. I was like listening back to that old uh, all the advice that you gave us and. It was all solid, and it's been, like, so laid back. Like, I I thought it would be... I knew it wouldn't be, like, rocket science, right? But I thought right. it would be more involved than it is. It's actually right. way low-key. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good starting place, and you can just build on it. Our uh, situation, too, is kind of nice in that... Uh, since I made that big-ass run that's under the porch, we really actually have a outer fence for our yard and then an inner fence for them and then an inner coop further for them so we don't really actually have to shut doors for predators at night they just like go into those coops and it's still cut like it's still predator proof around where they're at <clears throat> yeah you have to excuse me i'm getting a little bit of a cold so if you oh. cough or whatever no worries no worries Probably the coof yeah they're pretty easy uh I think we said something about, I don't know, how our dogs would be cool with them oh, after we introduced yeah. them, but uh, they did. <laughs> our dog got two of them. Oh, he did? In the oh, process, man. yeah. yeah. They Before were like, they were introduced. Yeah. We hadn't oh, really okay. done the whole thing yet. I guess we still right. really haven't eh. because of that, you know. We just keep them uh, so they're not ever in the same place at the same time. But Right, right. My dogs, I have a, I've got a... Aussie, and then my brother has a Aussie healer mix, or no, it's a border collie healer mix. And those dogs, they won't, they won't ever touch them. They just herd them around. It's hilarious. <laughs> so yeah. the, something will tear into the pen or something and rip a piece off, and they're a bunch are out. And those dogs will, will go up to feed them, or the kids go feed the chickens, and the dogs have them all herded up and right back next to the pen in a matter of seconds. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So how many? Um like flocks or whatever do you run a, a year you said you have 500 birds yeah so we i just break them in like a uh, hundred bird groups like two space them two weeks apart and then okay. typically I, I kill like maybe uh, 50 at a time so like two days every two weeks roughly gotcha and there's some exemptions here in pennsylvania you can kill i think like under a thousand birds with basically no no regulatory oversight whatsoever. Oh, that's nice. Um, in order to sell stuff, so I couldn't, I couldn't sell them to other restaurants, but I can sell them, you know, from like private from sale. the farm or yeah, from the store. Okay. Um, yeah, direct to consumer stuff. So nice. Yeah, we've got eight going now, and just layers, strictly layers. But uh, yeah, they've been they've been cranking eggs out now. Yeah, nice. They're, uh, I think that the weather is just making them start to slow down like a little bit just within the past, like this week, but yeah, not yeah, much. It's a pho- They're the still like four or photo five period, every day. I think photo period affects them the most. So Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. That if you is- stuck a light in their coop and like had a light on a timer, they'll keep laying right on through. Huh. Otherwise they, they might even quit. 
They might quit laying when the days get super short. Interesting. So you throw a light in there on the timer and just give them so they always have at least 12 hours of light. And Interesting. keep on laying. I know something else that likes 12 hours of light. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. Um, you make something, nothing but sense, man. Yeah. That's how everything knows what uh, season it is. Right. So you trick them. Trick them, man. Trick them. We have yeah. the technology. I did get some LED strips to potentially go underneath the deck to just illuminate that spot where they're at because it's very shadowy down there. You know, it's just right. like maybe, I don't know what, a foot and a half, two feet tall of, uh, you know, oh, crawl so space underneath right, the deck. They're right under your deck. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good spot. Yeah, it's really like, you know, it's like otherwise totally wasted space. Right. And now it's all theirs, and they can pick bugs out of there and shit. They're fine. And Who's got to crawl in there and get the eggs, or do you have your uh, no the, your nesting boxes somewhere you can get to them easy? The boxes are outside, so we started them all in this T-run with a coop on each, like, it looks like a big metal T of a run, and then on each left and right side of the top bar of the T, like, it comes up into two different nesting boxes. Or and there's like two boxes on the left, two boxes on the right. So it's like a coop with nesting boxes, I should say. Right. Okay, so then you can just lift the roof up off of the. There's, it's on a hinge, you know. Where right. The nesting boxes are. Yeah, just that's what I have for, We just have. Uh, I think we have like 20 layers, just at the house. Nice. I'm thinking probably of getting at least two more, eventually. Yeah. But um, yeah, we yeah, got we get a great deal on it, and then what I ended up doing was just busting a tunnel between the two. So like, I just built a tunnel. I busted a square out of the back of the T run, and just built. I don't know. It's like only a two foot tunnel from there to under the deck. It's really short. Yeah. Cool. So did you get a freezer? Yeah. I'm working on the freezer. The thing is, uh, my grandparents have a freezer they're no longer using, but it's just a matter of getting it down here. So they're up in Des Moines. And uh, it's just like um, we don't have any trucks in the family yet, except for mine that's strictly a farm truck now. I think the brakes are totally finally gone. I need to replace, like, the cylinders ah. and the pads on the brakes both and give it juice. But it's just an old right. beater. It would, not, it would not make the journey anyway. <laughs> um, we're getting an SUV soon, but also I think my uncle might have a time to bring it down. He is a truck. We're just trying to figure it out, you know. Yeah. If it was up to us, we probably would have bought one by now because we've been looking at them, you know, ever yeah. since we talked. But uh, right. not just hold out for the free one. That's like the way to go right now. Yeah. Some sometimes those older freezers. I don't know how old it is, but I know I have some ancient ones that people were same deal. Were like, oh, we're not using this anymore. All the kids have moved away, and it's just two people in the house. They don't have use for a huge freezer anymore, and giving them to me. Nice. And I bought new ones, and the old ones always work better. So interesting. I find that uh, to be the case a lot of the times with my like fridges. Yeah. Because out there, I've got the fridge that I grew up with in our garage now. Thing is still chugging along. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about the store because you mentioned that you could sell chickens in the store and stuff, and I think. Last time we talked, had that been up and running, or had you just like purchased it, but it wasn't yeah, quite? Yeah, so we, uh, we've, we've owned the building now for, I think, just a year, and immediately just like went in and gutted it, and uh, so it's, it's like a historic, an old-ass building, so like, you know, pre-1900, 
and it's in a row right on Main Street. So, you know, typical row building with you've got a neighbor on each side and uh, there's a couple apartments upstairs. And yeah, so we gutted that, uh, started buying, trying to buy freezers and coolers and stuff like that, moving stuff in and um, getting all our licenses and trying to get product in here. So it, it took us a little time to get everything set up. We kind of shoestringed that all together. It wasn't, you know, we didn't have the financial ability to just go out and buy everything and fill the store right away. So it took us a while just to kind of put stuff together. And and uh, we got the kitchen finally set up. That's where I'm, I'm sitting in the kitchen now. And, nice. Uh, my wife was baking bread this afternoon. So it, when I first got down here this evening, it was like 100 degrees in here because oh, she yeah. just left. And yeah, so she's doing breads and cookies and all that kind of stuff. Nice. nice. It, that stuff kills, man. Like right now it's... You know, sort of tourist season. I live in a little touristy town, and, you know, the leaves are changing. I think, Lauren, you're from Massachusetts, right? So yep. You know all that. The oh, leaves yeah. change, and you get the peepers coming. So, yeah, we have tons of people stopping in. and not They're not buying a ton of meat, but, like, the little stuff like cookies and, you know, little jugs of maple syrup and stuff. I'm actually sold out of maple syrup. Oh, nice. Congrats. Bought, yeah, so my buddy, you know, I there's tons of people around that have syrup so i just bought bulk syrup, syrup off someone else and we filled those up and that stuff's flying out the door so nice yeah i mean the store's doing great i in my wildest dreams never thought it'd be this successful so quickly that's cool and man we're busy busy that's a great that's so great to hear man yeah that's cool it's i think uh, well. a lot of people are just like seeking that out now we yeah. just went to uh chateau uh, milk company which is a local operation here like a local dairy farm um they've been around for like 80 years but they only started bottling and selling their own product here locally like i don't know i was in high school at some point i want to say 2005 or something okay. might have been might have been a little bit before that and that it just came on my radar then you know but yeah. they just do like the little glass bottles with like a 250 deposit i think in the day it was like a dollar and a quarter Right. But there's always been some kind of deposit you can get back if you bring the bottle back. And right, then, you bring your bottle back, and then you're good to go on the next one. Yeah. Then it's yeah. Like, so we do some milk, too. Um, that was, like, one of our goals as well was cool. not just only, like, showcasing our own stuff, but, you know, there's, you know, dozens of farms, little farms sure. like ours here, too, and, and maybe they don't have the time or the resources to, to have their own space like, like we kind of fell into, so... We've got two different dairy farms that bring cheese, um, the raw milk cheeses, and we do actual raw milk, so you can buy raw milk here. Nice. Um, I know a little while back that something came up on No Agenda about the farmer in, in Lancaster, which is just a few hours south of here. Right. The Amish guy who was like getting in trouble for selling raw milk, and I'm, you know, we sell raw milk. You yeah. Can do it. There's just. There's some basic sanitation stuff that needs to be done, and I, I just think that guy isn't, he's not doing it or not, you know, checking the boxes to get that done. Gotcha. But, and, I, you know, I think he was selling meat, too, which he was, like, killing in the backyard. So right, okay. We have so to he's take all our, kinda... yeah, he's kind of winging it. We have to take all our stuff through a federally inspected facility, so, like, I don't butcher the beef and the pork and the lamb. That gotcha. all goes to a federally inspected facility where it's, you know, it's under inspection and someone's there with oversight so that goes to the butcher comes back here and then and then we distribute it from here gotcha so, so that makes sense yeah there's always some kind of 
fucking hoops to jump through, right? Yeah, there is. I, I, <clears throat> when you and I just chatted briefly the other night, um, we're talking about the liquor control board and oh right, yeah. My, our friends that have been doing uh, cider and and wine and stuff and. Um, since you and I talked, I got another rejection from the liquor control board. Oh so, man! Yeah, <laughs> it's not been fun. It's so, impossible to please those people, huh? Well, I don't know. I just think it's like they don't want the little guy. Do they, they just ever, don't want little people? Yeah, they just don't want the little guys making a little money here on the yeah. side, you know. So, do they ever? We'll figure uh, it out. Tell you why or tell you what's? No, uh, is that, it like that, a YouTube strike where you're just like you? <laughs> no. Yeah, pretty much. They. So the, one of their agents was here and inspected the building itself, like the physical location, and, and it, it was almost like I was afraid to ask questions because every time I ask, ask a question, she's like, well, don't ask me that. Like, what the fuck, man? What like, are you here I, yeah. for? I want to so like, make this work. Right. You know? Like, we're here to make money, you know? Correct. We want this yeah. other family to make money, too. Well, and and like, we it, think they have a great product, so let's get it going. You sure. Know what I mean? So. Well, and if there's this, like, legislative fucking regulative rigmarole, like, what's it for? Supposedly it's, like, to keep everybody safe and keep everything on the up and up, right? So, like, tell right. me what the fuck it is. Right. That's crazy so, to me. Yeah, so, as as I understand, they have to have some sort of, like, physical barrier in the store that separates the rest of the store from them. Because I don't have a license to sell alcohol. Okay. They do because they're, they're a, you know, a brewer slash, not a distiller, but whatever, brewer, winemaker. Sure. And they can have remote locations up to three or five outside of their own, you know, where they're making their stuff. Gotcha. And so we were going to be one, and they would have their own register, but they've got to, now we have to somehow figure out how to build, like, some static walls. Got to have some, own, like... G- yeah. glass box that you walk in right the door exactly. to go in there. Yep, exactly you know i've seen setups like that in like new hampshire for instance yeah if you're like at a c store like there's beef jerky here and then you gotta like open this door and go into some right. weird ass other place with a different counter right. pay the toll and then some guy like <laughs> rolls his eyes and walks but from the counter yeah, over yeah. here to the counter you over there from one register to the other still one guy in there you know yeah, helping it's you the same dude yeah oh my god it's so yeah. absurd and the liquor the liquor laws in pennsylvania are you know pennsylvania has so many blue laws still on the books it's ridiculous yeah so. kansas is a lot like that they got yeah they re- oh yeah i can imagine they yeah. rolled back a bunch of them here recently but there's still some silly shit like you'll still have liquor stores that kind of do the same thing like they'll have like a beer side and like a liquor side Right. Yeah, so in Pennsylvania, you can't buy liquor anywhere but a state-owned store. Mm. So the state runs the liquor stores, and, you know, the, the time, and it's it's very restrictive. So, yeah, trying to break through that barrier is, is getting a little tiresome. Yeah, I can imagine. So we'll, we'll figure it out, I'm sure, but right yeah. now, I, I just feel like I'm banging my head on this brick wall over here. Well... It's one of my pastimes as well, you know. <laughs> Keep trying <laughs> yeah. until it finally, like, goes through. Yeah. Yep. Never give up. Never surrender. That's right. Um, yeah, if I would have given up on, you know, any time anyone's ever told me no, yeah. you know, I would have quit long ago. No but doubt. I guess I'm just too damn stubborn, and, you know, 
I, I, maybe I said this the last time we talked, but you know, the first time I was ever trying to sell meat, um, one of one of the inspectors had come out to the farm, and and I had built a building, a very nice building, and had freezers, everything separate, and you know, we had a counter in there, and the the idea was that it was going to be our our storage area, and then I would go do farmers markets at different locations in the area, and the lady came, and she was she was not having it. And she was like, you'll never sell any meat out of a cooler at a farmer's market. It'll never happen. You're, this is so stupid. It's never going to work, blah, blah, blah. And wow. I was like, fucking watch me. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, is that now she works for the one dairy. She's retired from the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture. Now she works for the one dairy that delivers milk here. So the one day she walks in, like when we first placed our first order, and I was here to to greet her and pay for it and yeah. I was like look at me now bitch <laughs> you know yes so so a little retribution there yeah may the haters live long so they can see it come up man that's right <laughs> I love it I saw that you were uh, enjoying life posting a yingling before the show yeah we got some yingling going which is not a Chinese beer <laughs> by the way no no Pottsville, PA, man. Yeah. We've been, we've been drinking Yinglings in Pennsylvania since, uh, what's the can say here? It's the oldest one, right? Yeah, yeah, the oldest continuous Amer- brewery. In- America's oldest brewery, man. Yep. I was just like, have some respect. And then somebody on us was like, it's just an average tasting lager. Oh, God. It's like, okay, yeah, it's beer. It's beer. It's the oldest one, you know, like. <laughs> it's uh, good. It's they beer. make some great beers. It's beer. It's a, it's a drinking beer, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't they have to have, premium, like, the fucking lager. hops every time, you know? Like, the yeah. hoppity, hoppity IPA hip-hop stuff. That, I mean, yeah, I love kinda, that shit, but... I'm kind of getting off the IPAs because I'm getting fat, but... Um, mm. I, I Tell me about it, dude. Switch to low-cal or maybe some malt-forward stuff, or uh, maybe I'll just keep drinking whiskey. I don't know. There you go. That's a safe one. I totally... Stopped doing the sugar thing um, for a long while because I was getting like a tub. It was yeah. just like I passed a weight, you know, that I'd never been. And I was like, yeah, fuck, it's just going to keep going unless I do something different. Yeah. So keep, for keep whole, buying new jeans, right? <laughs> yeah, fuck that. <laughs> it's funny because it's just like it starts right above the jeans. So like I think I could probably take it all the way to its natural fat guy conclusion and I would probably still have the weird little hips and it would just be this big belly yeah, dude, like it's same all, here for same me it was here, all man. belly and a little bit of like love handleage maybe some back fat going on too but yeah. like mostly the fucking belly man just to yeah, get like dude. puts right there i don't know what it yeah. is about my dad was the same way too like my yeah. my belt size didn't change the whole time it was just a fucking just the hangover belly blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so yeah i did uh i totally cold turkey sugar and bread for the whole month and pasta and then i stopped being so purist about it after i was down to like you know i lost like 20 fucking pounds in a month i was like would you it was, no like, shit. It was fucking nice. insane yeah, i was like oh cool. wow well, i guess it works <laughs> yeah i was doing really well that way too like i quit eating bread and was like just eating meat mm-hmm. my wife was like i think we should start a bakery oh yeah that's dangerous <laughs> dude she's like here try this bread try these cookies try mm-hmm. this you know what i'm a sucker like, for boom i'm right back to all the batters like, oh whenever man. the fucking batters like oh my god I used to work in a cookie shop 
That's a dangerous motherfucking place to work. Because <laughs> you're making like four or five thousand cookies in the day, you know? Oh, jeez. So it's like, yeah, batter up. Batter up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got three kids, so they wipe out the batter pretty quick. Oh, man. Kids. How many are you, how many are you up to now, man? A uh, dozen? Yeah, we're working on four. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Not too long. Yeah. Due date debatable. Yeah, oh, okay. nobody's sure now, like what whether it's the beginning of December or the end of December type of thing. But Yeah. My dad always says the apple will drop when it's ripe. That's right. There you go. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's very much true. Who knows? Who knows? We don't like keep careful track of all the shit that goes on. <laughs> so we're busy no, like know, chasing other things around. Yeah, I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, about the corn harvest, like, how much area do you, like, have in corn, and then, like, how how long does it take to bring all that in? Like, what's the process? How, like, what's it look like? Yeah, how many so people were involved? Yeah, so we grew about 100 acres of corn, um, just to, you know, grow a little extra, just so you're not short or whatever, you can always sell some, but, yeah, we grew 100 acres, um, it was kind of weird the just the rain pattern in the summer like i said it was super dry here sure so some of the ground that's like basically river bottom ground did really well and ground that was up on the hill like around the farm was was really bad i mean the corn was like three feet tall and the ears were just like these spindly little tiny ears so yeah it took us to fill the silo took us three days the big silo the 20 by 80 so 20 feet 20 foot circumference and 80 feet tall that holds probably 600 tons so that yeah that took three days and we actually have a custom guy that has a big chopper self-propelled chopper that comes in and and really gets it done and chops right into a a dump truck that dump truck backs up to the silo and we have a apparatus that unloads it and then a blower that blows it up into the top of the silo so nice for the grain combine we have oh, the okay. same guy the same guy has a combine so they come and we we actually knock that out in like 14 hours we started and didn't quit till we were done nice so that was about uh maybe 300 tons total of just grain and that's at a high moisture content too so typical grain that they're you know using for ethanol or whatever they get off at like 14 percent and we're taking it off at like 30% moisture. So that gets actually fermented as well. So it's and got a, what's the deal with the fermentation process? So like you it just separate... makes it it's just more digestible for the cow. Okay. So when it's in, when it's dry, it's 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 not really very digestible. Gotcha. So when it's wet and it ferments, you break down those cellulose walls and the cow can uh, digest it use it a lot more efficiently. Gotcha. So typically in their ration, um, like a, like the cow ration, it would be six to eight pounds of, of grain, and the rest is all forages. So we mix in alfalfa and some grass hay, and then the, the whole plant, corn silage. So on a typical day, one cow eats, like like I said, a 1,000-pound cow eat 30 pounds. So Nice. And you have... If that makes sense. You have 100 plus calves. Well, the, the cows and calves are all out on pasture, and when those calves get 
get to be about eight months old. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll come off, a good portion of them come off the pasture, and then they'll come in the barn where we can feed them, feed them that ration, which is high energy. So that's how you get the intramuscular fat that everybody's looking for. Um, fat's flavor. Flat, fat has the, makes the juiciness in your steak. Yeah. So what we're going for is like prime or choice beef. So you want to have a bunch of fat in the muscle, and that makes it tender and moist and juicy and delicious. Nice. That yeah. sounds wonderful. Yeah. And we do a little bit of grass-fed stuff, too. So um, I know everybody pushes grass-fed real hard. Sure. It's a little different flavor. Um, we've, we've been pretty successful on getting them finished correctly. That's one big thing with, with grass-fed cattle. They just don't put on the fat like an animal that's just eating a real high high energy diet like with the corn and stuff so makes sense sure yeah you get them to marble out a little better right exactly yep and i feel bad people trying to find good grass-fed stuff that's finished um those cattle are are probably going to be three years old before they hit that point oh i see so someone just has a cow out in their backyard and they're like yeah i got grass-fed beef man but it's like the toughest, rankest, smelliest stuff you've ever eaten. You know? Oh damn! Mm. And if you're not doing the, if you're not doing like management intensive grazing and getting them on some pasture that has a bunch of legumes like clover and alfalfa, uh-huh. it, they just don't have the energy to make that, you know, to make that steak tender. Interesting. And and, and put fat in the muscle. So, yeah, you got to be pretty choosy where you get your grass fed stuff. That makes sense. I do. I've never yeah. heard that before, but. It makes nothing but sense, you know. Yeah. Um, it can be done, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, people have concerns about GMOs and, and just the way corn is grown. Certainly, yeah. So, you know, there, there's options. I've eaten really good grass-fed beef, and I've eaten some stuff that I'd rather feed to my dog. <laughs> yeah. Just depends on the source. and uh, Right. Like exactly. all things, I guess, you got to do it yeah. right. Gotta do it right. So, do you have like all the same breed of cattle, or? Yeah, we're we're running uh, Angus cattle, red okay. and black. Yeah, red and black. Red and black Angus. Angus. Okay. Yeah, I think red. The color, you know, the breed red Angus is just a, a color mutation. There's not much as as far as the animal itself. Gotcha. It's the same. Yeah. Is that a strategy thing just for the best beef, or did most like ranchers specialize, or like I I I don't know. Jack shit about cows, really. <laughs> well, there's so there's kind of like a different subspecies almost. So there's like British breeds, so so breeds that came from like the British Isles. So that would be Angus, uh, Shorthorn, and Hereford. Okay. And they're like a smaller framed cattle versus what they call continental cattle. Which continental breeds came from you know the European continent. Okay. So on the on the continent, those animals were like more dual purpose. So they were milking them, plus they were used for draft animals. Gotcha. So they've got a much bigger frame. And, you know, when you have that bigger frame, then you have a higher maintenance requirement. Mm. So even if they're eating that 30 pounds a day, they have a higher maintenance requirement, so more of their energy is going towards that instead of toward the muscle or toward fat. Gotcha. That's the key, man. That's... Fat's where it's at. Yeah, fat's where it's at, man. That's how I pick my steaks, too. Yeah. Gotta be marbled just right. Right. Man, I... The old Kansas City Strip, right? That's right. Thank you. 
correct. <laughs> I just had to check somebody on that in my uh, virtual classes. And why is, cause that, why every, is that? Everybody's like from around here, you know? I don't know. Yeah. This kid is like still regional, but not super close. And he's like, said something about New York Strip. And I was like, right. all right, okay. obviously I know what a New York Strip is. But I was like, New York, the fuck's a New York Strip? And he just like didn't even blink. And he's like, "Oh, it's like a steak, you know, like uh, kind of steak." Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he goes into explaining it. Yeah. Like no, no, no. It's a it's Kansas City Strip, buddy. We're in Kansas City. That's right. Come on, got to represent. That's right. Yeah, I just had some T bones yesterday. Nice. Because they went on sale. I, I remember talking to you last time about how forget about beef, forget about steaks. Like this is the first time. I bought all, steaks all year. It was two different grabs of uh, these T-bones that just came on sale like two different times at the local grocery. And I'm not really sure why or how, but I didn't ask questions. I just bought them all up. It was like, I think, seven ninety nine a pound or something. Ooh, damn. Stole them. I know. I was like, are you are you sure this is correct? <laughs> but right. I don't give a fuck. It was like limit two or something, you know? So Oh, yeah. You know God that it God. is like, they know it's a good number, but God damn, I was like, yes. I'm eating T-bones. And some of those things have almost no filet on them. It, like, makes you want to cry. You're looking at them, and it's like... Oh, right. So, yeah, when you get into the, like, the front part of the loin, so, Mm -hmm. like, half that steak would be your loin, which you would call it Kansas City or the New York Strip. Sure. If it was boneless, then you got the bone in there. Yep. Then the other side is the uh, tenderloin. Yeah, it's funny, like... uh, some of them, are, I guess, toward the front or whatever. Once that tapers down, it yeah, just it looks down. like a, essentially a KC strip with a bone on it. <laughs> like, right, it right. Tenderloin side is like you got to go for the the porterhouse will always have the big the big chunk of of tenderloin on the other side. Okay, porterhouse. Yeah. See, I'm like so uh, only getting, halfway woke, but right, you're getting closer to the sirloin at that point. Gotcha. That's sort of where it changes. How do you sell? So you said like you don't butcher them, but do you sell like steaks chopped up, or do you have like oh, yeah. a variety, or yeah. do you just yeah, mainly so sell I, like parts of animal? Or yeah, we do mix? both. Um, like tomorrow, I'm going over to the butcher to pick up a bunch of animals. So I have three beef over there and a couple of hogs, and so I'll have them cut a couple of different ways. But yeah, we just package two steaks in a pack, inch thick. And then I'll have them cut either in strips or, or the T-bones, just a little variety. So we have just a freezer you can just grab, you know, a package of steaks or a pound of burger or whatever you want. Nice. And then we also do, like, the big bulk sales as well. So it's like 50-50 probably. Okay. Of, of what we're selling. Like, I'm selling 50% of what I sell is quarters and halves or bundles. And then, you know, the other 50% is just, you know, by the cut. Which is the better markup? Like, if I sold an animal for say, you know, half a beef is eleven hundred bucks or whatever. Right. I can probably make another six to seven hundred dollars retail selling sure. by the cut. Yeah. yeah. In that same half. So. That you know, we try to keep stuff moving. I want to get as many people in the door. So. Yeah. So when, people, I've never done it, but we've wanted to like for like a couple of years at least, but. When you buy in like quarter cow or half cow, it's just like a bag of steaks and ground and a bunch of shit, right? Like, yeah, you're getting you're getting a little bit of everything. So, um, like if you buy a quarter, it's probably you could probably 
be a little bit more specific, it's the divided side. So I'll take a half a beef and cut it all up and then divide it into two what they call quarters, but it's not like you're getting a front quarter or hind quarter, you're getting a little bit of everything. Gotcha. So and I it, it's not exact, but I would say like thirty percent of each. You know, you're getting thirty percent steaks, thirty percent ground, thirty percent uh like roasts and, and other cuts like that. Gotcha. And it's a super good way to you know, economical. I think what we calculate out, it's like about five dollars and twenty five cents. Yeah. Per pound when you buy a quarter or a half versus we're charging, I think, upwards of twenty dollars a pound for steaks. So. Yeah. And I don't know if you can even buy a good burger at the store for five twenty five. You know, this Yeah, it's really, rare. Really good tasty burger that Definitely you know, it's not, not the ninety three shit. Cow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is I try to keep it like eighty twenty. Eighty twenty is the yeah. common one and sometimes it'll go down to what when like when they do the chubs that's when it gets cheapest right yeah right yeah the big, the big I think like three I think three ninety nine was like the best one all year but I haven't seen that for a while so yeah and you got to buy ten pounds of it which is fine like we can go through ten pounds there's no issue there but it's just weird you know from even a year ago or two years ago like what the regular prices are. It's funny too because they'll tell you that's a sale and the regular price is like eight ninety nine for some shit. You're like, yeah, if you're gonna buy, save five dollars a pound. You know? Yeah, and you're like, what do they call that? It's like that's like a lost leader or something. Sure, and get you in the store like when you buy turkeys at Thanksgiving for fifty cents a pound. Yeah, but we had yeah. uh, baby back ribs on a big ass sale a couple different times that rolled through. Yeah, buck you scoop them up. Oh hell yeah, I did. Buck twenty nine a pound was the. Holy shit. Was the bottom. And they were limiting you to four. I think I went in there three separate times. Yeah. Because I got myself four, then I got four for my dad, then I got myself four again. <laughs> uh, we had some friends roll through, then we kicked some of them uh, a few weeks back. And uh, Lavish and Cotton Gin rolled through. Oh, yeah. Was Fire a, up the smoker. Hell yeah. Was yeah, a great, I, love, uh, great I have a little time. pellet smoker that I love using. I know that's like not purist. It's like the PayPal of smokers. Uh, <laughs> PayPal of smoke. I like that. Uh, no, nah, they're they're everywhere. First of all, and second of all, it's just different. I'm not like a anti pellet snob by any means at all. You know. Yeah, I, love I just like it, uh, like having a fire and doing it for real. It's like that's the way to do it. Totally. I Firebox. I can probably only do it that way. I want to do uh, wood because that's the one thing that. Uh, it's so funny. There's level of purism at, at every fucking step, right? And so right. <laughs> the way that you should do it is like get your coals in there and then just feed it wood for the like most of the rest of the time, you know? Right. And uh, I get my coals in there and then feed it coal the whole rest of the time. Right. <laughs> Which is uh, still goddamn good. And it's not oh, like yeah. uh, illegal or anything, but, you know, you get dudes telling you how to do it, doing it that yeah. way, which is like, I, I know, man. I keep yeah, the like fire the, going, though. The backseat smoker. Yeah. It's like, here, shut Dude, the fuck up and eat this. It's like, You're doing excellent. it wrong. Like, I'm not doing the three, two, one ribs, you know? I'm doing, like, better yeah, than that. Three hours, two hours, one hour, is that what you're saying? Yeah, there's, like, three, two, one ribs that are, like, fall off the bone tender. And That's almost too far sometimes. Like, yeah. You know, a, little, a little bit to chew on. Competition guys will be like, this is not a... Uh, but... They're a hit at, like, neighborhood parties where people just want it to be, like, super soft, you know? Yeah, smoky. And, and they think that, like, 
it being soft is like better. Yeah. Which, you know, it's like it doesn't matter. It's all about taste in the end, but yeah, it's about the taste. But if you want to go to a competition and place well, they're looking for bite, and uh, right, you right. can't get that certain bite when you're doing three, two, one because like two hours in the foil is too long. Yeah. I do like do you- two and a half, two forty-five, just bare right on the grill. With uh, I cut it in mustard as my binding agent, and then do rub. Okay, on both sides. After, of course, you got to rip the fucking papery membrane off. Yeah, that's key. Like, that's one thing everyone should know. You got to get that. You got to get that membrane off. Yeah, you got to get the membrane there. off. Otherwise, it just tastes fucked up. Yeah, you're chewing on what is that? That's the peritoneum or something. Yeah, and once you cook it into there, it's like into there. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't coming off then. It's got to come off before. The uh, God, I was at a wedding recently. Not to sidetrack, but. It's at this wedding, and they do this thing that irritates me as a bartender. Anytime someone, like, wants to fruit or veggie the fucking drinks up, but they leave the rind in play. Ah. And these dudes had coconut water. Or not coconut water, sorry. A fucking cucumber water. <laughs> Coconuts. They had cucumber water, which I was like, yeah, that's fine. She, uh, this girl, my teeth were killing me, and I needed some water. And I was like, you got water at this joint, you know? I couldn't have any of the alcohol at my liquor truck, so... She's like, yeah, do you mind cucumber water? I was like, no, that sounds pretty nice, actually. She brought it back to me, and it just tasted like I was licking the outside of an unpeeled cucumber. Like, mm. it was, it's all like bitter when you get the I rind was say in there. Bitter, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, it was awful. It was so bad. And I was just like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so awful. Limes and lemons are also very bad at that shit, or any kind of citrus fruit. Like, if you. Uh, I remember one time someone like got a hold of a juicer and they were just like juicing with the rind on and oh, bunch of, a bunch of like rind gets in there. It's all right if you use it as zest in some certain baking yeah, scenarios. Yeah, we use tons but, of zest in, in some of the dessert stuff we do. Yeah. But Which just kills, but. slapping it right into the drink raw like yeah. that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Man, it is a bitter pill to swallow, let me tell you. Ugh. I don't understand it. Anyway, so the ribs, I'm sorry, I sidetracked. Um, I have slap mustard on there. A lot of guys are like, uh, mustard's the most common one ever since I was a little kid growing up. Like, the, my church did barbecue competitions, so like I learned some stuff from guys there. And um, <clears throat> it was always mustard, whether it was butts or ribs or whatever, briskets. They just like massage it with mustard and then shake all their shit on it. Right. And then uh, some guys will be like, oh, with the mustard... Well, we don't want that mustard flavor. We use mayonnaise or, you know, like guys will get into, uh, you know, contests, wiener wag contests over what uh, they use as a binding agent. And I'm telling you, that shit all cooks out. Like, you can't taste yeah. the mustard in the end. Right. Ribs so I never, I've only done, like, mustard on the outside of stuff. Yeah. To make the, to make the dry stuff. Yep. Stick. I've only done that, like, a few times. I've used just, like, dry mustard in the rub. Oh, Yeah. And instead of smearing everything with mustard, and I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but seems seems all right. Yeah, there's, there's that's the beauty of it is there's so many ways that you can pull it off, you know. Right. I like the mustardy because I can get like fucking almost too much rub on there. I like stop right before almost too much rub because I like a lot of like you know <coughs> dry rub kick to them when they're done, and I do all of mine at the front end, you know. So like. 
once it cooks in there, like I don't add any at the end. Some guys will mop and then add more and shit. Yeah, I think I don't know. That, it's all circumstance, pomp and circumstance. It is. You got your little ritual. Off. Yeah, it's like a batting stance. You know, everybody's got their <laughs> right. little like thing where they wiggle the bat, and it really doesn't matter. Just get ready. Yeah. You do uh, like pork shoulders often. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to do, actually, is pork yeah. shoulders. I have, like, three in the freezer right now. need to do some. Yeah, I love doing those, too, and, and I can't eat pulled pork unless it's been smoked. I go to restaurants, they're like, oh, pulled pork sandwich, and they've, like, thrown it in the crock pot overnight. Yep. And it's not been smoked. Yeah. Like, this is not What'd you do to pork. this pork, man? Yeah, it's like, you, that fat needs to be, like, rendered out, you know what I mean? Just let that stuff ooze out through the meat and, and not be... Just like the roast, just swimming in fat for hours. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. Uh, I I've been on this uh, rib kick lately just because of that deal that we got, and they're all baby backs, you know, which is my favorite. Obviously, everybody's favorite to smoke. But um, you mentioned the pork butt. I had the only pork butt crock pot that I'll do that I actually like is this like Mexican style kind of carnitas right. type thing. With some chipotle or something like that in there. Yeah, just like some super spice and like just letting it slurp all night in its own fat kind of thing, you know? You can do it good like that, but plain, it's, uh, um, or even with the just the dry rub style, like, I don't know, it's just, like you said, it's missing that element of the smoke. That Right. Have you ever used a pork puller? Pork puller, like the, like the claws, like the Wolverine claw things? Well, they, they have a sort of looks like something you would mix drywall with and oh, it has, okay. it's like a disc and it goes literally use a cordless drill oh it's just like a stainless rod and on the end of that rod is a disc probably like four inches and on the bottom of that disc are little i would say boy they're small smaller than the size of a pen little fingers that are probably three inches long huh. six six on the bottom okay so you just and this works well because I I used to have a barbecue business. We went around and, and did stuff when the, the gas companies were here in the oh, area. Cool. And they were fracking for gas, so we'd cater a bunch of stuff, my buddy and I. Nice. And uh, so it was like we're always behind, you know, and like finally found this pork puller so you could do it when it was hot and you didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, burning the fuck out of your hands when you're trying to pull it. Right. So you just drop it in there and pull the bone out. If you're using a bone, a bone in shoulder or whatever, sure. and then, dude, seriously, you just hit that trigger on that drill like four or five times, and in thirty seconds, you can have that entire like five pound shoulder totally shredded. Damn, I'm very into that. Yeah, I gotta I'll look into to, that. I'll have to send you a link to one of those places because it was like sixty bucks. It was probably this best sixty bucks I ever spent. Yeah, that sounds like awesome <laughs> yeah. as shit. You get me like ten on your salt. <laughs> yeah. You add a little salt in there for your flavor, it mixes right in so quick. It's just it's perfect. Nice. Yeah. That sounds ideal. Yeah. I just use a fucking Wolverine claws, you know. Oops. Yeah, I've I've used those too. It's I fine feel if like you're a, doing like one or something like that. But yeah, even two I, is a pain in the ass. Even a yeah. big one, because I usually do big ones, man. Like I usually yeah, do like eight. Like a good a big, like, uh, five-pounder pound or something. Yeah, that's huge. Big fucking ones, yeah. Uh, I remember the last... A lot of the times they'll sell them in these two-packs, and it just, like... At first, I was so stupid, I thought it was just, like, one big butt. I was like, holy fuck. But it was 21 pounds. Yeah. And it was two butts. I was just like, holy shit. 
Throw that over your shoulder and walk out of there like a fucking soldier, man. <laughs> I love I love buying humongous pieces of meat like that, <laughs> and then I'm gonna smoke up. Oh awesome. damn! So you, you, wait, you mentioned you had uh, hogs that you were gonna pick up. Yeah, so you grow those too, or like yeah, we do. Them? I raise yep, we raise pigs out on pasture um, all throughout the summer. In the winter time, it's just not as easy. Uh, they're burning up a lot of energy trying to stay warm. So I put. I put some. I have enough room in the barn for like six or eight at a time through the winter. But right now, I've got ten out on pasture that'll get killed here in another four or five weeks. Gotcha. Yeah, and it makes it's just a totally different, totally different product. I th- <clears throat> I can't. I really have a hard time eating like conventional farm raised. You know, like the traditional farm yeah. pork farm pork. It just has a smell and a flavor. I can't, I just can't get by it. So yeah, I'm just we're we're just eating all our own pork. That's so cool, man. That sounds stuff, so yeah. nice. Ugh, that sounds so nice. To find a pig guy. We used to have a couple pig guys like throughout time. Uh, I had a buddy when I worked lived in uh, Columbia. He worked for this like uh, damn. I forget the name right now. Patchwork. Farms? Oh, yeah, patchwork farms. Yeah, it was like a uh, cooperative, you know, so they would like right. manage and sell a bunch of different hog farms, uh, hogs throughout the, the region. Right. And uh, he was always bringing by some tasty box or something. Yeah. And then we had the local pig, and we were doing a butcher oh, yeah. box from them like every week. That was like years back. That was when I was still roasting coffee. But God, that was so nice. That was probably like the best diet meat wise i've ever been on is when i was getting a box from them every week you know yeah because then it's just like it was a subscription weekly box and you know whatever you whatever they put in the box that was your fucking meal plan you know you really have to think about it kind of miss that you know yeah they stopped so doing they, those. they did stop were they mailing it to you or you just were like picking it up we go pick it up it off? yeah yeah we go pick it up every week and they would just like throw the shit uh together it'd be like uh Ground pork, pork chops, um, some kind of a rotating uh, side dish thing item. You know, sometimes you get like some salsa or some chili or some, I don't know, something weird. Um, And then some like off the wall product, whether it was like bacon or um, like, I don't know, jowls one time, I think. Something just like a weird thing. I don't know, but there's like always there was like seven categories, and you get one of each category every time. Yeah, perfect. It was nice. It was cool. Yeah, that that works out good for people too, because you know, like you said, if you don't have the huge freezer in your basement or your garage or whatever, you can you can still cash in on having, you know, a little better quality, and then plus you're supporting local people too, so that's the best. Definitely. So when I wanted to ask you, because the last time we talked. You kind of seemed, uh, I don't know, like super concerned for the future, especially the, like the near time future. And I was just wondering, like, has your outlook changed or shifted, or like, I don't know, you you seem more optimistic. Uh, yeah, I, sounding. I feel, yeah, I feel optimistic. I think I was just worried. I don't know, like, where the support's coming from. If people were going to spend money, especially like on this place, sure, and, and was pretty nervous about jumping whole hog into that um but yeah i think i think people are really starting to take notice and and 
also just interactions with like on no agenda social and stuff and even yeah some even the podcast we're listening to is guys are talking about local ag and and how important it is um just to support local people and i and and probably it's the type of person that's on on no agenda or no agenda social i sure. think are just like a unique and and you know a, a cut above everybody else if I think, and and it's been very nice to have some feedback from those from the, those people and people walking in the door here too. You know, it's just sure. I that, think if we're here and it ha- and people have a place to go, right? They're gonna support it. So I think I I worry about you know it's just any excuse. I think in the markets, like whether it's Russia or or fuel prices or fertilizer prices that they're really just taking advantage all the time where, you know, farmers are really resourceful and they can bounce back super quick sure. to market, you know, to the markets and, and figure out how to make it. And, you know, I don't think there ever will be a food shortage. I think those, you know, farmers are going to grow the food. Right. It's just, can it get to the consumer? There might and, be like a processing plant shortage. Yeah, or like right. A, grocery store shortage or right yeah and so you just always think about decentralization and Mm -hmm. you know us using a tiny micro slaughterhouse you know these guys are only killing 10 beef a week and and 10 hogs and and you know their their family's making a living at it and you need more of those and they're starting to pop up now again sure and versus these huge mega you know like the cargill and tyson who are killing 2,000 head an hour, you know, or, you know, the hog, the hog plants like Smithfield and Hatfield and those guys, you know, I know families that are involved with those businesses, great people too, but if there's one little kink in the system, everybody behind that kink gets fucked. Right. Mm. Yep. That's, uh, that's centralized for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, and uh, I remember like a ag economics class in, in college and, you know, the, the professor was like, you know, the most efficient is one pipe in and one pipe out. So the problem is when something breaks, everybody's screwed, you know. Yeah. So when you have a lot of little pipes going every which direction, if one pipe breaks here, there's another pipe that's still flowing. So. Sure. It makes, yeah, it's just what it's got to be. It's funny because I'm like seeing nodes and channels in my mind now. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But um, I saw that you had... Uh, Got written up in the uh, local, uh, a local publication. There, you, you sent me that a few months back. Yeah, so the, the local paper—it's a magazine, a monthly magazine that kind of featured local stuff, and they're largely food-based and, and family-based and stuff like that. So we had the privilege of getting interviewed. It was a long process, and at the time, I was like, "Why do you want to come out here in the middle of the winter? It's like uh-huh. not the best time to be." strolling around the farm it's muddy there's no leaves the grass is short yeah but uh i'm glad they came when they did and they did a great story and and it really created a lot of traffic to us too so that's awesome man i was i was pleased with that so yeah i I love that uh I, i have the same kind of uh experience with the tap truck where there's just a married couple that i went to college with at mizzou and they brought this uh piaggio ape back from italy when he was touring in the army and now 
you know, they convert it into a tap truck and we do weddings. And it was just like, eh, maybe like two or three, like here and there, kind of local stories in the paper. And then just like, everybody like wants to book that thing, man. It's so cool. Yeah. And it is cool. I've seen the pictures of that. The thing's awesome. It's so much fun. And then the beauty of it is it's the only one, you know, just that one. So like, we don't have to, we just got to book like three or four a month, you know, but even if we wanted to do more, we probably couldn't. So it it works out nice in having that, uh, that ceiling where, you know, like once I'm past this busy, I can't handle anymore. Right. Right. You can only do so much. Yeah, yeah for sure. It was tight. Cause during the pandemic, whatever, uh, kerfuffle that was going on for a while, there was a point where we were like one of the only fucking places that was still doing shit, you know? Right. So we like, if you had a wedding during all of that, you had to probably do it at yeah. your own venue or at home. But like, we would go and you know do the drink side of it. So yeah, a lot of caterers weren't doing shit. A lot of uh, I don't know, like a lot of people shut down. A lot of venues weren't doing anything. Yeah. No, I know my my brother who's uh, he's like 15 years younger than me, but all his buddies were scheduled to get married through that. And everyone postponed it, and I had mm-hmm. you know, cousins who were who were like the same age, like late twenties, and yeah, nobody got married for like two years. It was weird, man. A and bunch now, of now it's like all hell's broke loose, and my brother's gone every other weekend at a wedding. So. Oh man, it's been wedding, wedding, wedding. It's been crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like for a couple of months in the spring. There, everybody moved their spring shit to the fall, and then we had like a dead month. And then everybody realized, like, oh, these guys are still doing shit. <laughs> so then, like, yeah. Then the people who were like, fuck you, I'm doing it anyway, uh, we did a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. Those were probably the fun the They fun were ones. great. Yeah. I never had a bad experience at one of those at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To go back to that, uh, that article. Oh, uh, yes. On page eight of that, I've got the no agenda hat on. And the, and That's the, right. Uh, nice. Yeah. It's, it's funny because... The, of course, the reporters who were doing it, very, very, very liberal people. And they came to the store, and I, I have another hat that was like a 2A hat, you know, like the, the Gadsden yeah. flag hat. And she was like, you're going to have to take that off. <laughs> I'm like, why? What the fuck? Well, some people might be triggered. And I was like, in Tioga County, Pennsylvania? Probably not. But some I people might apply. be triggered. I, I obliged and took it off, but... Like your wiener's hanging out or something? Yeah, like <laughs> the... But when the... When the guy who wrote the story came out to the farm, he didn't give a fuck. And so I had the 2A hat on then. Nice. And it's in the article. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Don't you know what that means, man? Yeah. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> You're like pro-gun violence, man? What's your yeah, problem? I'm going to go out and shoot somebody. You heartless bastard. Wearing, wearing this hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's great shit, though. Uh, yeah, I love the uh, No Agenda hat cameo i'm always trying to wear this boost hat even though no one knows what the fuck it means it's like yeah most people won't know but it's it's cool to sneak it in there if you know you know yeah awesome that is pretty cool that wait how long did you say ago that was that that ran i i think they did it it was a june issue so okay so i was gonna say it was like almost a halfway point between when i talked to you last actually Yeah. yeah now that i think about it yeah, here, here's another funny story. When we talked last time when we did the Bulls with Buds episode, like, yeah. I got off the phone, and like literally my, 
my dad like busted through the door of my house. Of course, it's like midnight here. Right. Like breaks through the door. He's like, the, c- the cows are out. Oh, no. <laughs> so my wife had been, oh, she was in Vermont, uh, like chauffeuring or, or, or whatever you call it, the, the ski club trip. So it was just me and the kids home. So I had to leave my kids at the house, take off in the pickup truck, and the barn right next to my house holds like 40 head. They had somehow unlocked the gate. I have no idea how. Dang. And, and left the premises. <laughs> Unbelievable. They were, <laughs> they were like two miles away, heading down the dirt road, headed for like Route 6. Jeez. Oh. Making their <laughs> so, way out of oh, there. Oh, yeah. Just so as I, we were chatting along. Yeah, yeah. The whole time we were talking, they were like out milling around. Yep. So we, <laughs> I had to like run down the road. Get around them, chase them back here. It was a, it was a kerfuffle for sure. That's insane. Did you have to uh, slap any commies between uh, now and no, the last hockey? No, I haven't had to do that. <laughs> luckily, God, I know that was a uh, fantastic re- uh, retelling of the tale. Yeah. And the last one. Speaking of the last one, by the way, since you gave me that. Uh, uh, value tag setup and your node and everything. I'm gonna go. I actually already did. I went back in time and added the value tag to the last one too. So, oh, nice. If people have not heard the first appearance, um, which was a lot of fun and a pretty funny one, and you, like we said at the beginning, you ended up uh, uh, the internet connection wasn't really jiving from your house, and so we yeah. ended up just talking on the phone, which still was fantastic and it felt totally natural. But uh, if people go back and listen to that one, uh, 144, Bulls with Buds, now you're in the split. So now people can like boost that one in the past, too. It'll go to the same place. Yeah. Cool. Go listen, everyone. Yeah. Give it a, give it a hear. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, we'll have the, the link, link in the show notes. Nice. Gotta love the link in the show notes, man. So uh, you thinking of doing any uh, casting yourself? I feel like you hinted at that earlier, but I couldn't tell. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. At this point, no. Just we're so just time wise, right? Yeah, it's it's like a, it is a time suck for sure. It's a time commitment. Yeah, I don't know how you guys do it. You're you're on all the time doing stuff. It's crazy. We do a lot. The re, the here's hey, the only way to do it and, is live to tape. Yeah. If we didn't do it live to tape, we'd be fucked. And it's yeah. so hilarious to see some of the like. Oh man, uh, Adam Curry, he retweeted a, some Twitter rant this woman was doing about some podcast in the podcast industrial complex, as he's taken to calling it lately, uh, which is like the perfect name for what yeah, goes on over there. And yeah. she's saying like, if you just wanted to, she's like, you have no idea how much time and money a pod produ- it takes to produce a podcast. If you want to do a, a year of weeklies, it's like, blah, blah, blah. Like, and I'm like, how in the fuck people are putting out weeklies and I guess you get a bunch of them in the can and then producers just like comb through them and play with audio and all this bullshit and like edit the shit out of them. And I don't know, it like takes hundreds of thousands of dollars and, uh, all this, like all this, all these man hours to put out a fucking weekly. And it's like, well, like we, we research a lot for our show. Lorian does all the weed news research and all of the 33 news research. And all the gutters and strikes research too, and um, 
you know, I'm I'm a little bit more laid back. I just come with like the uh, um, recaps and the um, the lightning segment. It's kind of like my special twa. Yeah. But I I wing it a lot more, and she does deep dive research. And still, between the two of us, we probably spend. I don't know. What would you say? Like with all my research. Yeah. Six to ten hours. From, and that counts making art and doing the show notes too. Yeah, and recording it and posting it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like a majority seems... of the time is uh recording the thing, you know? Yeah. I mean that's what you put the time into and then delete silence does that automatically, so you can kinda I don't know. You pack it Smushes in there. It all together, yeah. Only lose usually like three minutes or something. Three oh, to five okay. minutes on a on a two to three hour thing is like negligible. Yeah, you, know, you guys are old pros now. Makes it listenable. And then, yeah, you drop that fucker into some, uh, um, what do we call it? The levelator. Run it through the levelator, man. Slap that thing on there. Fuck. I just can't fathom spending, busting that much ass and spending that much money on, like, putting out a weekly, you know? Like, what are you doing, man? Get some producers. It's <laughs> so funny. Like, you, you, you got to pay your producer $150,000 a year. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah. Just get them to contribute value, man. Yeah, the right. producer should uh, kick some to you, right? <laughs> Give some value and get some value. Way better. Way better, in my opinion, anyway. Works out, you know? And then nobody's up your ass or whining or anything like that. Yeah. Or at least way less often, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody you have to listen to is doing that. That's, like, the most important part. These orange pill shows are, like, 30 minutes. What's taking so long? Jesus. Shots fired to the bull. Booberry, what's up? Uh, yeah, some people take a while to crank their episode out. And we're all like, uh, hey, man, record it and then post it and then go to bed. That's, that's, right. that's the order. Record, post, bed. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, a lot of guys, they'll record and then they'll go to bed, which is the trap, because then post comes when? I don't know. They go to bed like a few more times before they post. It's like, what the fuck? Right. Like, you're just going to get to this someday, man? Making me itch for it. Making me want it. Maybe that's the strategy. Maybe we're doing this all wrong. I think you're doing a fine job. By Monday, uh, Bulls with Buds with Farmer Todd will be available. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Uh, So, you you have three of your own, right? You mentioned three kids. Yep, three millions. They're they're doing the school thing and your wife's still a a teacher? Yeah, we're getting closer. I mean, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel as far as trying to get her out of the school yeah you know I, I we're fortunate just because our district is very small sure small town um i think we touched on that the last time too it's just yeah i know everybody i know like half the school board members everyone's real approachable nice although there's shit that goes on you don't like um, right you can definitely voice your opinion that's good is I there know, any i don't know, I know like the big hype lately is like these fucking uh, I don't know, the gender theory, hardcore, full court press that seems to be going on at the public level. Like, I don't see that here, although, you know, sort of just being kind of awake to the fact that that stuff's going on. Sure. I notice certainly books that, like, my one daughter keeps bringing home books and, like, I don't know, eight out of ten of the stories, there's, like, a gay protagonist. Oh, yeah. Like, this isn't, like, real life you know eight out of ten people aren't gay right i mean it's totally fine yeah like, it's just let's like, have a reflection uh, of the real world not sure so i don't know i 
One of the hardest things for me was my youngest daughter started kindergarten, like right at the start of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. And it was like, she hated it and, and would cry, like, I don't want to go to school. Man. And I don't blame her because she wasn't having any interaction at school. It was like, go sit at your desk. And at the time, they had plexiglass walls around them with a oh. mask, and you got a tablet. It's like, this is a kid who was, like, striving for... I don't want to say attention, but just like interaction with sure. people. And that's like the whole point, right? Companionship to, and right. You're supposed to go there, so you put a five year old and just like now they have to like sit in isolation around people. It's just the weirdest thing. And if I could go back and do it all over again, I would have just been like, "You guys are staying home with me." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Looking back at it, I'm just I I really feel bad for her, and you know a lot a lot of the headlines now like what i've seen the last few days is like all these kids are two years behind right sure yeah so, socially it's kind of funny because why did they even go to school you know what i mean if you're not gaining anything for two years what's the fucking point right like, it's it's almost like torture you know like just waterboard my kid you know what i mean like i don't know i'm i'm glad we've like our school district got past it and finally you know pretty i think quicker than a lot of like maybe urban or or bigger school districts were like right. we're still wearing masks we we were able to take them off or it was parents choice or whatever right and i know my sister is a is an administrator at a, at a neighboring district and her point was like we need these kids in school just because the poverty level and all that she's like i just want to be able to see them once a day and know they get fed once a day sure so it's like very important for them to get into school and like the masks were secondary and so they were like it's all parents choice which wasn't necessarily the case here in our own district but eventually it came to, it came to be that way and and you know we were really lucky that way i think i hear horror stories that you know you see stuff on the news which i don't know maybe i shouldn't watch the news but yeah it, it never helps man but i don't know that's that double-edged uh, problem do right. I want to know what's going on? Is that what I get when I watch the news? I don't know, like, kind of, but kind of not. Yeah, uh, you see what, you see the propaganda, I guess. It sucks that um, the whole antisocial situation, because, uh, like, that's the number one pushback you get when you tell people, like, oh, we're just going to, like, school them at home, you know, we're just going to raise them at home, and people are like, well, they want to get, like, social interaction, and you're like, I'm seeing kid, pictures of these kids in the desks, like you're talking about, with the glass boxes and fucking yeah. masked up, and they're not allowed to like touch each other or nothing, like six right. feet, all this. Yep. Like I'm all like all the time. This sitting is sitting at lunch by yourself. Insanity. Like, lunch by yourself geez. is like yeah. got to be the cruelest proposition you could like tell me about yeah. school. Like that's the whole point is like let's not make them be weird and then <laughs> like yeah it's like the totally number one making them weird yeah. it's like taxes people bring up roads and homeschooling people are like well they gotta have friends you know oh it's like uh not even getting that now or at least um i don't think in, i'm not really sure uh what the city districts are doing because like i said we don't fuck with it we don't worry about it <laughs> you know? yeah are, are your kids old enough to be in school yet um our yeah oldest. our oldest is five now she turned five in august so we're just learning to read and write stuff and do numbers and counting and and the three year old is keeping up with her. Yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that works out too. The little sibling rivalry. So. Yeah, definitely. Like a, So are you guys doing straight home homeschool then? 
Yep. yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's nice too because there's just like so many places you can go around here. Like the dairy the other day is the perfect uh, example. Or like, you know, they helped me build the coop. They helped me take care of the chickens. Like all of that's like teaching them shit, you know. Yeah, it's very important. So we just use sure. everything as a... And wait. they keep taking more and more away from the schools, you know. Yep. I know you are talking to Billy Bones about uh, sort of like the vocational technical stuff. and Oh, God, yeah. He was doing uh, like shop class and, and automotive stuff, and then all of a sudden after he left, it was done, gone. Yeah, that sucks, man. It's like those are important skills, and, and you know... Sort of one of my mentors always was was Joel Salton and listened to all his stuff and you know he had said a long time ago that the greatest ex- export from rural communities was intelligence right yep so you, you raise kids up and they're smart and and can go out into the world and they leave and go to a city and there's just like an intelligence void here and why is that you know so those you know like FFA or, or vocational stuff and important people that pick up all the slack like plumbing electrical yep. all that kind of stuff like jeez I know I still we, get we couldn't it. find a plumber or, or an electrician to save our ass here you know god I mean? damn it yeah I still uh, get a little bit uh, pissed thinking back on the old uh, I don't know the the way that that all, all that shit was treated when I was in school like the whole, um, I don't know, it was just like looked down upon. Right. It's just like fucking rude, you know? Uh, it is. And, and this, yeah. uh, this university shit was like upheld as some kind of righteous, like, oh, you're better off going to fucking. You need to go. Getting an English degree or getting a fucking right. liberal arts degree or get even, I mean, shit. Like, so many people got them that they don't use, you know? A yeah. goddamn journalism degree, you know? Like, uh, Hey, I put it to use though. Lorian uses hers, which is learn to code, which is <laughs> rare. Cotton, cotton gin saying learn, learn, learn to, to code. code. <laughs> <laughs> cotton gin, yeah, learn to code. Well, you could always do that, I suppose. The thing and you, you can, can live wherever you want, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you can code from the moon. I think <laughs> just remote in, you know, just climb the moon ladders and then. Uh, code yeah, from, that's code interesting because certainly I've seen this at. In like the last, since the pandemic, is that there are young couples moving into the area that probably had lived in in cities, and now they're just like, it's a better life here. We can yep. do, we can work remotely, and and still live in a great place too. We don't have to live in New York or Philly or Pittsburgh or wherever. And, yeah, in fact, like it's nightmarish, like doing that shit. Yeah. Even here is annoying. You know, even here I want to get away from, but at least my city is like a a lot more laid back and sane than than some of these coastal cities especially. Like Yeah. I don't know, man. Get ourselves lucky, I suppose. Yes. And uh we do want to like hang on to this place as a short term rental, I think. Yeah. Because it's like right by the damn zoo, you know, and we got to tour this year the aquarium that they're putting together. They like did a preview. Should be open next year, but they're doing like this huge aquarium adding to the zoo as just like one of the features, one of the exhibits. So nice. I think it would be cool to kind of like uh, theme it all out, you know? Shit, I guess we could even do like some kind of an aquarium thing. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that till just now. 
<laughs> it's so funny because yes. you get these crazy ideas, but it's like, what's the what's the benefit to pain in the ass ratio? You know? Right. Well, I mean, sort of like I don't say it's one hundred percent passive, but sort of passive income. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I just think like the more kitschy shit we could put in there, it's kind of like uh, like that's how the tap truck is. You know, we just make it like super nice and a super nice experience, and then we just, um, you know, can afford to. Like put put all the stuff back into the bill, you know. Like the more you put right. into it, the more you can um, charge on the other side. So we just try to make it like super nice. So are, is that your plan? Like sort of move away from Casey and get into the country, or we want to like stay in the area, but yeah, get some land. Uh, you don't have to go too far in any direction from here to get some pretty big lots, but uh, I don't know, like thir- like a thirty to fifty thing would be ideal. I think for us, um, some of it treed and some of it pasture. Yeah. Uh, and then just do the, I don't know, do the Jack of all trades type of thing. Just like grow and expand. Like, I don't know what we do here so far that we have experience with is chickens now, but, uh, we've done garlic. We've done kind of orchard, uh, you know, like peaches and apples. Haven't got any apples out of it yet, but we have, a. uh, Couple apple trees. We and tried pumpkins one year. Pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, we got a couple of those. That was kind of weird. Two tiny remember. ones. They like aborted from the vine. Yeah. I think it wasn't uh, full sun. We had like too much shade going on. That's the problem about a small property too. It's like the back on the other side of the fence is overgrown. There's oh, not a lot man. I can do about that, you know? Right. And then there's some Try like it all, man. towering old growth trees too that like block a big chunk of your yard. Small ruminants, that's what you need. Goats and sheep. Goats and sheep, man. Yeah, we made uh since we last talked to you, we made some friends who have a farm uh out there on the Kansas side, maybe a little under an hour from here. Um it's like about the same distance as my dad's, but like in the opposite direction. And uh yeah, he did some meat birds, and we bought some birds off of him for Bitcoin, and it was just, like, cool, like, um, seeing his little piece of land out there and just being like, this is what I want someday. Like, yep. Yeah. This is, like, the next plan. Yeah, so how how was the chicken? Chicken so was great, good. yeah. It was yeah. tasty as fuck. Yeah. I watched him, like, you know, kill the ones that we brought back. And did you help out? I didn't. Um, cause he was doing like the last few and he was like, don't even, <laughs> he's like, it's not even worth getting dirty for. So, <laughs> it was funny because, um, I almost totally forgot and we just happened to be like on the Kansas side eating dinner and he was like, yeah, so I don't know, you, we're going to be out here a few more hours, uh, you know, killing some birds. Like, are you still planning on coming out? And I was like, ah, shit. Yeah. I'll be there in 30 minutes, you know, uh, nice. but I ended up working out fine. Cause right when I got there, he was on like the last four. So we like just saw the last round of it and he was like, dude, don't even, don't even get dirty. We're like wrapping up now. Yeah. But it's cool to see other people's setup and stuff. Cause we saw when we went to Salatin's place, Polyface Farms, uh, he was doing chickens and I think a couple turkeys. Yeah. He was killing them. His team, I should say. There was a bunch of them. It's probably like a dozen, a dozen yeah, hands. What do they do? Like 20,000 a year or something? I don't know, to be honest. That day they probably I don't know I'm I'm bad at estimating how many birds is that he had this wild you know they do like you got the cones and put them upside down on the cones or whatever yep 
uh, he had one that was like a revolving one that yeah. like was like ten cones on a big revolving thing. So yeah, I I have something similar. Like I think it holds eight at a time. Yeah, and it sits over top of like it's actually like a cow mineral bucket. Ah, and the blood the blood just drops down into there. Yep. Then we scald them. I have like a little yeah everything stainless. Matter of fact, I think it may, may have come out of Missouri, like Featherman Pro. Oh, okay. And yeah, small scale stuff, and yeah, we can do. My wife and I, before kids, we could do like a hundred in just a few hours, like yeah, from start to finish, from the time you light the fire until it's you get the last one put away, like six hours probably. Wow, which seems like a long time, but for two people to bang that out, it's pretty good. No doubt, yeah, especially when you're talking about uh, these other jobs being 14 hours plus, you know? Yeah. Or I remember the syrup boiling, which was like, <laughs> you said, you know, like it's a 21-hour, like, fever dream marathon going oh on. Oh, my God. That's, it gets, I don't know, you feel like you ate mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> you go to bed, you dream about being in the <laughs> syrup house you wake yeah. up go back to the syrup house like you've been there yeah, all for days oh my and god it'll quit and then you're off for like three or four days and then it starts again so. wild not too long right that's on the other side of winter like right when the spring yeah comes so if I, yeah february march april usually about six weeks from start to end six to eight weeks so so do you do any kind of like uh I know you talked about cooler at a farmer's market. Like, do you still do farmer's market stuff or is it like no. strictly the store now? Yeah, we're just at the store uh, nice. Wednesday Wednesday through Saturday. Okay. And right now it's just my wife and I and, and my mother-in-law who's really like an angel. Cool. running the store pretty much on her own and I try to get down here. Like today I was here from noon to six and it was busy. Like I said, the the uh, leaf peepers, a lot of tourists in town, so sure, constant flow. But yeah, the cash flow is great, and getting the word out and developing a lot of new sales too. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. So between let's see, so between like the grain and the animals and the syrup, like are you just doing something all seasons, like something all year round? Is there any yeah, kind of just, dead time oh, or? Yeah, just always busy. I think uh, like January and February seem to be slower. Sure. Time that we pull equipment in the garage and try to fix stuff up, or sure, that makes sense. You know, we're still we still have daily chores, but it slows down a little. Actually, this week tomorrow we're taking off. Jess and I, my wife and I, are headed up to the Finger Lakes for a couple of days, tenth anniversary. Oh, congrats! Yeah, very cool. Very Take off cool. and probably sleep in. Maybe. <laughs> wow, what a concept. There you go. It'll be fun. Kick back. Yeah. Definitely. We're going to go, it, man. of course, we're going to like go check out other farmer market stuff too. So sure. Just to, like always, especially Jess, she's always like, we got to check this out. We got to, you know, make yep. sure we're doing it. You know, so she's always. That's the, how Lorian does too. Yeah. Just always turning it on. I'm kind of like, I just want to lay here for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I do yeah. it. Yeah. No, that's yep. perfect. You got to have that balance, you know? Yeah. Yeah, she, she's yeah, the one cool... that uh, drug us to the to the Chateau place, which was cool because they have uh, flavored milk and they just like let you just pour little samples and try them all out. Yeah, that's great. 
Um, they take their whole, and then they have a bunch of different. I think that let's see what they have a root beer, which is really, really? tasty. Uh, tastes just like a melted root beer float. Nice. Um, an orange dream, which is like a dream sickle. Strawberry, chocolate, obviously. Got to have those as staples. Banana, which I'm not a fan of. I don't know. It's just, there's nothing. Like, can somebody explain to me? I've had a coffee. Oh, they had a, yep, they had a coffee too. They had a coffee. And a cookies and cream, which was kind of like, yeah, that'd be good. It's like liquid Oreo. I just like all those places are, all those places are great. All those little shops and, you know, some of those farms, maybe they have 40 or 50 cows are milking, which is awesome that they're making a living doing it. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Did they ever say how many cows they had? I don't, I don't, we didn't really do a tour tour, but they had like the calf house open. And there was just three of them. Like, I don't know what I expected, but there was like three calves in there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the way things used to be around here. There were tons of 40 and 50 cow dairies. As a matter of fact, when, when I was growing up, that we had like, we were milking like 60 cows and, until I was probably 10 or 11. And, and we sold out. There's overproduction of milk at the time. Yeah, all those, all those little dairies that, you know, the little patchwork quilt of farms every mile, you know, yeah. totally gone now. It's just everything's gone corporate. You can't, yeah, everything you can't make a dairy work without having at least several hundred cows. Shit. So it's cool that this one So does when you see those like... little ones come back where they have direct marketing and stuff, you you know, yeah, I, I just love seeing that. They're all they're in all the local grocers too. Like, I remember because I worked at uh, one of the two small town grocery stores in my hometown when I grew up. Um, and and their milk was in there, you know. Yeah. Um, and now you can get it most places in the metro, but um, yeah, I think they just put a lot into like the kitchen being cute and you know they can charge more for it. It's just like anything else, you know, like right. their half gallons are like five bucks right now. And plus yeah, the, par with what we're selling our stuff for too. And it's plus the bottle deposit, which you get back. So it's not really, you don't really count that. Yeah. Right. Um, and actually it's kind of funny how you can like trick yourself into that whole deposit thing of like, Oh, I've got seven fifty on the counter here. Cause I got three bottles, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, which is funny because if you go and you buy three more, like that's not really anything. But. Right. In your mind, man, you see that minus number, it's like psychologically <laughs> beneficial. It's great. It's great. No, I. what was I saying about banana milk? Can anybody tell me why banana flavor does not taste like banana? It's like there's, it's not even close. Oh. Like banana candy or banana runts or this banana flavored milk, like... It's pale yellow, yes, but it doesn't taste like bananas. It tastes like pale yellow candy or some shit. Like I can't. It has even... like the. It has like the smell. Yeah. It has like the banana smell, but it does not have the banana taste. No. And I don't like like I don't. I don't like bananas, and especially like when they start to get brown spots on them. Like I would oh, eat yeah. a green banana over eating something that. I agree. I, I kind of like them when they're firmer and a little yeah. bit more tart. Yeah. Exactly. And they don't taste like much at all, really, when they're that way. But then like an ultra ripe banana is I don't know, it almost feels like uh makes my mouth itchy. But candy <laughs> doesn't taste like either one of those. Banana flavor doesn't taste like either one of those things. What is up with that? 
never understand it. I don't know how they like sell that shit to anybody. It Who, tastes like pale yellow. Or like, like banana pudding, like all that shit. It was like, now vanilla pudding with real bananas chopped in it, I, I can fuck with that. Right. But the banana pudding? <laughs> I don't understand. Somebody help me out, please. I don't understand it. Oh, man. Do you uh, have like a favorite baked good or like something that was surprising that is maybe like off the beaten path or? Um, I'm, I like the sourdough bread. Okay. That's like my favorite thing. I eat way too much of it. That sounds pretty awesome, actually. A good so sourdough that like has a good like twang to it. Oh, yeah. And when she's going through the whole process. So like in town, because there's where, we're, where the store is, we have chlorinated water here. So we can't really prep the bread here just because the chlorination will kill the yeast and the bacteria. So we have to do that at home, which we have a commercial kitchen at our house too. So she'll be working the bread back there. And as soon as she opens that starter thing up, I'm just like, oh yeah, it smells good. You know, it's just <laughs> that, that sour odor right all through the house. And I'm just like, where, where are you making bread? Of course, it's like two days later, you know, by the time you get everything proofed and ready to go. Is there a, is it just the starter? Is that the name for that? I feel like, remember in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, they have that like ancient family yeah. mason jar of whatever sourdough. Or... Yeah. And it, I think that's why a lot of people get going on that sourdough starter or doing a sourdough. They get on that kick, but it's tons of maintenance. So how does that like? Like you got to feed it. You have to feed it every day. Okay. And then, and then if you want to make a batch of bread, take a portion of that starter out and then, you know, however many cups you need and then take your flour that you're going to use. And we, we were trying to source some local stuff and actually I met a guy at a, we had a no agenda meetup last winter who works for an organic flour mill, not too far from here. We haven't had, we haven't, hooked up yet but that's in the works but uh yeah you've got to take your starter mix in and we use a combination of flour so like a little bit of rye and then um some white and wheat you can't you really use the whole wheat because it doesn't break down as quickly okay the yeast the yeast can't use up the energy in the the whole wheat just because it's so i guess not processed undigestible yeah to, to the yeast anyway yeah so yeah, it takes some time, a couple of days. Wow. To get to go from the starter, add it to your your wheat flour that you're gonna make your actual bread out of, and then get it going and like making beer, you know. It's sure. Using up that energy and then and then you're forming your loaves and then bake them off. You ever uh make your own beer? I think was it Cotton Gin that asked that earlier? Yeah, he asked me. I did a long time ago. This is another one of those things that yeah. I wish I had more time for it. I do have a still. We want to get that going. Ooh, you got to do what, like corn mash uh, in yeah, the whiskey yeah, or something just, in there? Yeah, just just to mess around with that home. Hell yeah. That's awesome. I always wanted to try that out. I did do a couple of buckets of beer with my buddy back in the day when we were roommates. Yeah. It was fun. But, uh, it's fun to do, but... Everybody else seems to do it better than me. Yeah, so. that's the same kind of attitude I have. I can't remember somebody was. Oh, it was at a fizz gig because I was like, "Who the hell would be asking me this?" But 
he was like, yeah, you want to get like into a brewing your own shit or something, you know? And I was like, man, everybody's already doing that, you know? Yeah. Like, not I mean, really, but it just feels that way, you know? It feels yeah, it was like killer beer and it would take me 10 years. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, why would I? That's like a booming uh, industry at a small scale, which is cool. Like, it goes back to more stuff decentralizing, you know? Like, when when I was growing up, it was like Sam Adams and Boulevard were your craft beers, you know? And now they're like, um, and Yingling, they're just like giant. And, uh, there's little guys that, uh, are even littler and more localized now, you know? Yeah. There's one on every corner. Yeah. Yeah. Yingling. What's the kind of spread on Yingling? I, I've seen it like in DC. I never had it around so here, they build but I was like brewery in, in Florida. Oh, there's a, there's a huge brewery in Florida. Now. Gotcha. So that's why oh. you kind of see it more. Yeah prevalently yeah i'd never seen it outside of pennsylvania we so had it at certainly the, f- the northeast until maybe like the late 2000s i think is when they built that place down in florida we had it at the fugue uh this like hipster joint i used to work at it's like this weird hole in the wall place but uh guy prided himself on having like like uh, i don't know 80 different kinds of beers oh nice and uh there would always be like a reason you'd have them all you know so we had yingling and it's like the oldest one. I think we had, I want to say it was Bass, which is like this English beer that... Uh, yeah, I've had that. Yeah. I think it's like the oldest brand. Like it was like... Bass uh, Ale. Yeah. I want to say. I don't know. Maybe I'm full of shit now. I'm like... It was like, it feels like so many lifetimes ago when I was uh, managing that place. And Sapporo. <laughs> Sapporo. Yeah. We And, you know, he'd want them from all different countries, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a Japanese one, right? Sapporo is Japanese, yeah. Yeah. I think I feel like we had another Japanese one too, but it's uh like uh Tsingtao, is that Chinese, I think? Yeah, we had all kinds of them. It slowly declined though till uh we got down to just bad beers in a bad bar and place didn't uh place didn't survive, unfortunately. <laughs> as as it goes, man, as it goes. I don't know. They wouldn't give me a goddamn cash register, so that didn't help. Gotta have a cash register. <laughs> yeah, that would help. It's a keystone yeah. of a of a successful business, I would say. Being able to account for the money that's gone in and out every day. Instead of just trusting the drawer. Trust the I've drawer. I've got a question about this Albi stuff. Oh, Can yes. I, would I be able to use that as a, uh, like a, from a retail point? Uh, I believe yes, um... So there are a few different lightning wallets that can send to a lightning address. Pretty sure Breeze is one. Um, so the consumer would have to have like a compatible wallet. Yeah, they have that. to have like some kind of lightning wallet that can send to a lightning address. And then uh, I don't know. You might be able to do a BTC pay server off of that too. I haven't dug into that side of it. But uh, I, that's what I always recommend for any uh, businesses that are taking Bitcoin at any level. Like, I'm actually trying to put together a, a kind of like a how-to onboarding presentation for it um, that I'm going to give it to Casey oh, yeah, Bitcoiners yeah. coming up. On that the other day, yeah. Um, I really want to... Cotton Gin suggests Cash App or Strike in the chat, which are also good Someone, options. Yeah, so if I had a Cash App, then... Someone could use their Bitcoin to send to mine. Cash app. Yep. Um, as far as the 
Albi stuff, I think that you could even just generate, I mean, you could just use your little QR code. Um, the thing that kind of makes it a little bit of a pain, at least, you know, not having done like a full deep dive on it is, uh, it's just this browser extension, right? So, right. But you can display if you hit receive and you can put in an amount and you can put in an optional description and create an invoice and then they can scan it right from there too. So you got options. Um, you can also connect. So if you have like a BTC pay server somewhere else, you can connect to it through uh, Albi, but I don't know. There's a lot of options. I, I always go to BTC pay server because it's like more, uh, you kind of own it. You have like custody over the server and, uh, yeah, you can customize it every any any way you want. So you can do like a brick and mortar type store, or you can do an online store, or you can even do like a donation campaign page. Like, kind of any use case for accepting money from other people, you can do them. Okay, just depends on how you set it up. But there are a lot of ways. Also, Breeze, by the way, uh, I always forget this, but Breeze has like a point of sale built right into it, so you can just like punch up what each item is like you know, you're charging for it and then put a little description by it and then just like show them the invoice at the end. It's pretty, pretty nifty. Right. So yeah, there's all kinds of options. Like just get raped by like the merchant fees on cards. Oh, totally. Yeah. What's nice about uh, cash app. If people are using something like that, you can just use like bank account, us dollars and, on Cash App side, and they can still scan a Lightning invoice and pay. Same with Strike too. Uh, so if it's like people that don't really fuck with Bitcoin, they can just pay you in Lightning with US dollars, and like just does the conversion. Right. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's gonna get even easier the longer time goes on. Yeah, I would like to be on the forefront, not the back end. You know. Yep. Yeah, be out in front of it. Well, Albie's another step, man. That's good. Yeah, we're getting there. That's good. And uh, once I get this presentation all like sewed up, I'll I'll send it over to you or f- figure out a way to post it somewhere or something. Yeah, I'm sure a bunch of people would like to see it. So, yeah, all of the ones right now have like a, uh, I think it's like I don't know some some European guys that run the server, so they also do the how-to videos. You know, just need to have a good old America boy do one. Yeah. But uh, it's on the to-do list, you know, the infamous fucking oh, yeah. to-do list, man. Yeah. How long is yours? Uh, it's dead, uh, dead Sea Scrolls. Yep. Yep. And I keep adding. I'm good at adding to it. I can, like, think of new yeah. shit, you know? I'm like, ooh, you know what I want? Uh, knocking them off. That's a tough one. But, hey, the chicken's uh, chickens getting knocked off. Yeah. Yep. That was, that was, that was a, a good one. one. And that's the beautiful thing is like all of these projects on my to-do list are of the nature that once they're done, I've got them forever, you know, like, right. I mean, obviously with chickens, you got to go get the food and, you know, but there's just like a little bit of momentum to maintain. It's not like getting the fucking coop was the big hump to get over, you know? Yeah. The, the initial infrastructure, getting that stuff Mm -hmm. set down is. And, uh, wiring all of that shit, man, that's what took me the longest. Yeah, I thought I would just do it in a day, and it took me like about, I don't know, a week and some change just to do everything in the tunnel. And I'm still planning on doing a second tunnel, but that's going to take a fucking while. <laughs> it's like building fence here. never ends. You just always build fence. 
build fence. Fence more and more. Then they just like fence, fix fence. Yeah. Yeah. They just crumble or get knocked over by cows or weather or like just yeah everything. 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 Fuck. We had like a bad. uh, There was like a some kind of bug that ate all the white ash trees. Uh huh. So ash is like what they make all the baseball bats out of. Okay. And so all those trees are dead now. We try to cut them all down as they were starting to die, but you don't get them all. So now they're just like stand. There's like widow makers everywhere. Oh jeez. So every time there's a little bit of wind, it takes out a section of fence. It's a pain in the ass. That sucks, man. Uh, do you do any uh, lumber harvesting? Yeah. So this like this area is like world renowned for hardwood. Okay. So yeah, we have we have uh, not that I. I mean, we cut trees, obviously, for ourselves, or firewood and stuff like that. Like, obviously, we have to have wood for the for the maple production side of it. But Sure. Yeah, we have people come in and harvest timber off the property. So, like, oak, maple, uh, ash. We used to do ash. But, uh, yeah. Hell, yeah. That's what I've, I'd love to do my own timber and, like, uh, make a lot of it into, like, lump charcoal, you know, but also just smoke with a lot of it yeah oh man yeah cherry we have lots of cherry here too nice i think Which that I, uh, I use cherry and i use apple a lot cherry apple and hickory are kind of the my top three hickory is probably yeah. the one i use the most yeah fuck yeah man that's what's up well dude it's like uh fucking two hour mark man it's time every time we sit down with you man time just like blows by yeah we're just like, went quick i know Friday, isn't it well now it's almost saturday here that's crazy man yeah late night for you well appreciate you uh you know staying up with us yeah no doing problem. a late one and it's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you guys totally thanks for uh being an inspiration in the farm life there and like the homegrown you know uh you were a big um push into like us getting the chickens even though we were like thinking about it for a long time you know you were yeah. like the the Trigger. final the final shove to be like you know what what are we waiting for get her done yeah, yeah. get in the car and drive bingo <laughs> <laughs> oh man well bowlers thanks for hanging out and listening and tuning in and uh like i said you can boost farmer todd now on this split and the old one 144 works as well uh we will be back Tuesday night, as always, for another round in the bowl. Uh, right around 9 Central US. After DH Unplug wraps up on the old No Agenda stream. Till then, you can count on me being Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'll be tame, DeLorean. This is Farmer Todd. Till next time, bowlers. May your bowls burn ever brighter. I'm hammered. It is on, folks. It is on. It is on. We're too close to the zoo. What about the animals? Studies show marijuana can be very psychologically addictive. Man, them studies. The bowl after bowl guys are pushing the value for value so hard. Bowlafterbowl.com. Bowlafterbowl.com.